Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. everyone please be seated it's nice to have you here this morning uh, I want to welcome those who are here with us in the worship center I want to welcome those who are new to us today I want to welcome those who are watching online as well today it's good to have you here now for those that are new to us or if you haven't been around for a while we are in the midst of a sermon series based on Psalm 34 8 and that verse says uh, taste and see that the Lord is good And it's fitting uh, for us today on this Thanksgiving Sunday that our theme is worship because we see the goodness of God as we praise and worship Him. Now, as as most of you know, uh, this sermon series right now that we're in is, is as much about the experience as it is about the instruction. And today we want you to taste of the, get a taste of the wonder of worship and the power and joy of praise, whether it's for the very first time or whether it's uh, tasting it again for the first time in a long time. Now, I think it would be fair to say uh, that for most of us, when we think of worship, we think of singing worship songs like we just did right now. And uh, although singing is definitely an expression of worship, worship is, is much more than singing. Uh, For others, worship has been reduced to an emotional experience. It's a feeling that you get or are looking for. But even though God has made us emotional beings, uh, true worship is much more than a feeling that we get. And still for others of us, uh, worship is really closely connected to our life circumstances. And so then for us, when life is good, we, we praise God. But when life turns on us, we Our praise dries up, and maybe sometimes we question God. But that's not what the Scripture exhorts us to do. Psalm 34, verses 1 to 4. Again, this is the passage that that our verse came from. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Psalm 59 says this. But I will sing of your strength. In the morning I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress, my God in whom I can rely. Now, I begin here this morning because um, some here today or listening online probably are not singers. They, They don't feel like singing. Some people may not feel like worshiping God today, and some of you are in the midst of a very difficult and trying time in your life. And yet God is wired into all of His creation, and in particular humanity, a desire to worship the one who created us. And so if you would, I would like to, if you would bow your heads with me, I would just like to pray and ask God that He would open our eyes this morning. So let's pray. So, Father in heaven, we pray that you would open our eyes, that we might see your greatness. We pray that you would open our minds, that we might know your love and your goodness. 
We pray that you would open our hearts, that we might love and worship you. And I especially pray for those who find themselves in, this, in seasons of challenge and pain. Uh, especially, I want to pray for the Van E family with the passing of Ryan this, this past week. And I pray that for all of us who find ourselves in that season of pain and challenge, that you would be our hope and strength. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here's our plan for this morning. Uh, I'm going to begin with a short teaching on worship. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a few compelling reasons why worship needs to be part of our lives. And then after that, we're going to have a couple of people come to share of the goodness of God in their life. So some testimonies. One is live and one is by video. And then we're going to close this morning with uh, an opportunity for you to, uh, to respond in worship to the things that you've heard this morning. And so we're going to have an open microphone. Uh, it's going to be guided by some of our pastoral staff. And, and so hopefully some of you will be bold enough to, to come and share something that you've learned about God. So um, if worship then is not a song we sing, and if worship is not a feeling that we get inside, or, and if worship is not influenced by the circumstances that we find ourselves in, then what is worship? I want to begin with a simple definition of worship. And then what we're going to do is we're going to look at some Scripture passages to kind of build on that. And so here's the definition of worship, and there's many out there. This is one that I kind of pulled together that um, resonated with, with me as I think about worship. And, and it's this. It's this. Worship is our appropriate response to God's nature, to God's character, and to God's works. Another person said it, it's our love response to God for who He is and for what He has done for us. Now, I'm going to read uh, two psalms or parts of two psalms, Psalm 95, which, which Tanea already read for us this morning, and then the next psalm, which is Psalm 96. And this is what it says. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song, for the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. Come. Let us bow down in worship, and let's kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Psalm 96, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations. Declare His marvelous deeds among all peoples, for great is the Lord. And most worthy of praise, he is to be feared above all gods. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. And bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Now, let me make just a, quick, a few quick observations about worship from these two passages. And again, just like last week, maybe these aren't profound, but they are important for us. And here's, here's the first observation. And it's this, is that biblical worship is a community experience. Now, just look at the PowerPoint. There should be some, some things highlighted there for you. 
And it, it strikes me that in the first two verses I read, uh, the, the phrase let us, which is uh, plural or a group, uh, it's, there's, a, there's an invitation to gather as a community to worship God. Now, there is a, a place for private worship, and we see examples of individual worship in the Scriptures. And even though worship is always personal, meaning it, it flows out of the abundance of our hearts, God has designed worship to be a community experience. Worship is best when the congregation is gathered. Now, intuitively, I, I know that you know that that's true. You know, for example, which would you prefer? To be in, in the worship center here today or be watching the same service exactly by yourself in the chapel next door? You know, we, we would always prefer to be with other people. And, if, and in fact, um, you know, the, the, the bigger the crowd, the better. COVID aside, okay? But the bigger the crowd, the better. I remember, uh, for me, one of the times that really uh, shaped and changed my, my attitude and my understanding of worship was when I had the opportunity to go to Korea to a, something called the Global Conference on World Evangelism. And at that place, there was 168 nations gathered together. And they had sent out a pre-package of all the worship songs so everyone could worship together and, and knew the songs. And it was, it was magical. Uh, maybe that's not the right word to use, but it was, it, it, was, it was inspiring. It was awesome to be with the nations of people worshiping God. Now, you know, back, back in those days, um, I have to tell you that I was, I was not a hand raiser, right? Like, um, I was, I don't think I even raised my finger or my toe. I just, I didn't do that at all. And I was, I was scared to for some reason. It's, it, my, my roots of, of church, it wasn't an expression that we did. But I can tell you something compelled me when I was on, when I was in Korea, that all of a sudden I was singing as loud as I can. And for some of you that ever sat beside me, you would realize that that's something that I shouldn't maybe do all the time. But I was singing as loud as I can. I, my, my hands were in the air. I was worshiping God, and I was just compelled to do that because worship was best in His people. And then at one point, we went to the Seoul Olympic Stadium, and, and all the delegates got to march in together. Uh, and there was a whole group of people, uh, about 20,000 students. In fact, Pastor Chen from the Korean church said he was at that event. And I remember we walked in, and myself and another older Baptist guy, we were dancing, and we actually made it on the main screen of the TV. You know, just picture that, a Baptist pastor dancing. It was a sight to behold. Maybe that's why we got on there. My point is this, is, is that there, there's something powerful about getting together with the people of God to worship. And the more people, the merrier. Because biblical worship is collective. It's designed to be done in the assembly of others, not by yourself. Which is why if, as COVID happened as in your home and you were watching the service and, and trying to worship by yourself in your home, it, it lacks something. Because we're meant to be together when we worship. Observation number two. Biblical worship is active and not passive. Okay, look at some of the words I highlighted again. It, it says, uh, these are just some action words from this passage alone. Come, let us sing for joy. And by the way, that, that, the word for sing is not just like sing a, a nice worship song that someone put together to great music that flows. But uh, it's, it's a joyful cry out. 
Come, let us shout aloud. You know, it's a loud, animated show for joy. It's like a battle cry or like after you just won a major victory and you're just, and you're just shouting. That's what it means. Let's come before Him with thanksgiving. Uh, thanksgiving is, is an act of the mind, engaging the mind, and it's an act of the mouth, declaring what we're thankful for. Extol Him with music and song. Again, uh, the word extol is actually an action word, which means to praise enthusiastically. And so in this passage, we see that worship is described as vocal, vibrant, and vigorous. And if that doesn't describe our worship here at Ebenezer, I don't know what does. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> now, I'm not sure... Uh, why we are not as vibrant and vigorous as we see in the Bible here. I don't know why we're not as vibrant and vigorous as other cultures, even other cultures here in Saskatoon. Maybe it's, it's a cultural thing. You know, maybe it's a Baptist thing. But maybe we've lost some of the joy in our hearts. And maybe we've, we've lost some of the wonder of the greatness of our God. Because uh, when we understand those things, I think it's really going to be hard to, to keep silent. You remember what, what Jesus said? That if they keep silent, what's going to happen? Even the rocks and stones will cry out. Because creation is meant to worship God. So biblical worship is active, not passive. It involves our active, enthusiastic joyful participation. Third observation, biblical worship is multidimensional. Again, just look at some of the words here in this passage. To sing, to shout, to come with thanksgiving, to extol. And the next verse is that it adds to bow down, to kneel before. You know, God has created us to worship Him, and He's designed us to creatively worship Him. And worship is never meant to be one-dimensional. It's multi-dimensional. It's multifaceted. And beyond the words that I, I just read here in this passage, if we look at other uh, places, it talks about clapping our hands or lifting our hands or, yes, dancing is even in the Bible, <laughs> dancing, uh, falling prostrate before the Lord, to be still before the Lord, to speak with tongues, to praise Him with all that's in us and to pour out our whole heart to Him. You know, worship is meant to be multifaceted. And it's meant to engage, uh, I think, every personality in every season of life. And I, and I hope today that we uh, experience some of these multifacets you know, for example, if you're like me and you've never raised your hand in a worship song before, may, maybe today you can, you can do the um, semi, you know, just, I'm, I'm going to worship you, God. And if you're really bold, you can do the one hand kind of wave. And if you're really, really, you know, charismatic, you can go with both hands. But I would say there's a point where we have to try things to, to, to be released from that. We're going to worship God not just in song but in word. And some of you might for the very first time declare the goodness of God from your mouth for the assembly to hear. So let's, let's practice these things. 
Observation number four. Biblical worship is God-focused. Again, everything in this passage is to the Lord. He's the rock of our salvation. You know, before Him, extol Him. You know, um, extol Him with music and, and song. You see, um, our worship must be centered on God and God alone. And we worship God because of who He is. And we worship God because He is worthy, you know, absolutely and completely deserving of our praise. And we know that in Scripture that, that every time or almost every time someone encountered God, in other words, a, a believer in God encountered Him, their response was to worship Him, to, to fall down and to worship Him. That's the response when we encounter this holy God. Worship is, is God-focused. One final observation about worship. Biblical worship is a declaration of the nature, character, and works of God to the assembly of believers and a proclamation to the world. Now, I'm going to go to the next psalm, Psalm 96. Again, there's something about this psalm I want you to notice. Uh, they, he, uh, the author uses uh, triplets for emphasis. You know, just like when we see, like, holy, 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 it's meant to draw our attention to the God's holiness. And so here we see the first triplet is sing, sing, sing. We've already talked about that. The next one is um, proclaim, declare, and then, and then also assumed in there is another declare. And those, those things are, are close. Proclaim uh, his salvation. And to proclaim means to announce or to preach or to publish with our mouth. Declare means to record, recount, speak, tell by both word and with pen. So those things are connected. And then the last one is to ascribe, to ascribe to the Lord uh, the glory that's due to the, do His name. To ascribe the greatness to God, to declare the greatness of who He is, to declare His strength and His glory so that the world will know just how amazing this God of ours is. We ascribe to the Lord anytime we recognize and acknowledge His character and works, whether that's through our words or songs or actions or testimony. But God calls us. God calls us to, to praise His name. And we best praise His name when we know who He is through our personal experience. You know, the Bible often, uh, we, we see in the Bible that people often gave God a, a new name based on their experience with Him. Those biblical names were, were kind of a definition of how, how the people of God came to know and experience God, and that's how they worshipped Him. And some of these you'll know, and I'm just going to mention a few of these. But, you know, for example, we have Abraham, and he named God Jehovah-Jireh, which means the God He provides after God provided for him in a miraculous way. We have uh, Hagar, who named God uh, El, meaning God Roy, which means the God who sees me. Because, because God saw her in her plight when she was in the desert dying. Moses named God Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. After Joshua and his newly formed army defeated the Amalekites by God's power and covering and by his banner. The Israelites named God Jehovah Rapha, 
the one who heals after they experience his miraculous healing in the desert. Gideon named God Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. And David named God Jehovah Rohi, which means the Lord is my shepherd. Now, this morning, uh, we're going to hear from two of our congregation members, and they're going to share the name that God has given them based on their recent experience. And then I'm going to give you a chance to ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name by declaring the name of God as you come and share um, in front of the, the assembly here. Now, there is a QR code here, and I need you to do something for me. So uh, if you take out your phones, if you have that, uh, this is going to direct you to a resource regarding the names of God. So if you could just, if you have your phone with you, just quickly uh, take a picture of that QR code. It will direct you to a resource that you can use, not just this morning, but for your life. And if you don't have your phone here, or you don't want to take a picture of that QR code, I have, I have Pastor Kelly and Pastor Kel. Just raise your hand, and they have a, a, like a physical handout. We've, we've killed a few trees for you just to, to get this to you. But, so if you just raise up your hand, and they'll just quickly drop off. There's two pieces of paper. They're similar, but they're different, and you can look at that. And so while you're looking and bringing up that, that resource, and so that resource is basically, uh, is basically the names of God and how we can express that, which I want you to use this morning. So, Kel, there's some more people up here as well when you get there. But just as they're handing that out and as you're even looking, can you listen as well? I want to give you just uh, five very brief reasons why it's important to praise God, why it's important for us to, to be people of praise with, with our life. Kelly is another person up here as well when you have a moment. Okay, and the first one is simply this, because, because he, is wor- he is a great God and He's worthy of our praise. Now, we've looked at the, the passage of Scripture numerous times in uh, Psalm 96, but but uh, what it says in there are things like this, that, that our God is not like other gods. He's not a, a dead idol carved by man. He is a living God, and He's above all the gods. It says that, that our God is, um, He made the heavens, that our God is the, one who, who is the one who reigns over all the earth. And then if we look at some other passages like Psalm 103, and some of you know those passages, it talks about that God forgives our sins, that He heals our diseases, that He redeems our life from the pit, that He crowns our life with love and compassion, that He satisfies our desires with good things. And, that, and so we praise God, and we need to praise Him because He is absolutely, by His nature and character and His work and His ways, worthy of a praise, bar none. Here's the second reason why we praise God. We praise God because it's a fitting sacrifice to give to the Lord. Now, I, I want to just show you a verse, and, and this verse is, I think, a very, it's a very sobering verse in Romans chapter 12. Or, sorry, Romans chapter 1, verse 21. And, and, and this is what it says. For although they knew Him, or they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and foolish, and their hearts were darkened. You see, Paul rebuked the people because they knew God, but they stopped giving God the praise that he deserved. And I don't know exactly what that futility in their thinking was, but my sense is 
is they stopped praising God and they start, started patting themselves on the back and praising themselves and the futility of their thinking, thinking that they didn't need God, that they were smarter than God, that their ways were higher than God, and they didn't give God the glory that he deserved. And, and that was something that Paul said is going to be destructive to you. Here's the third reason why we, we praise God. We praise God because it's through praise that we come into and experience God's presence. Psalm 100 says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You see, uh, when we come into his presence with thanksgiving and praise, which is what we want to do today, God actually welcomes us. And he comes and he meets with us so that we can experience his presence. You know, what does the Bible say again? That uh, if we draw near to him, he will run from us? <laughs> no. If we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So every single time we draw near to God with our praise and worship, God leans into us. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Fourth reason why we, we praise God is because we experience the joy of the Lord and peace through praise. The verse I quoted last week, and I want to read it again, is, is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Our world today is anxious. Our church today is anxious because of all the things that are happening around us. But when we're anxious, Paul challenges us to, to turn our hearts and our minds to God and to pray to Him. And how? Well, we enter with thanksgiving. And God's promise is to give us the peace that we're praying for. And in the broader context, it's also the joy that we want and the hope that we need. Paul later on in Romans says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. David puts it this way in his psalm. He says, when you, when you come and meet with God, that He restores your soul. And Isaiah reminds us that even youths grow weary and tired, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will, not, they will walk and not faint. Because, because when we worship God, we experience the joy of the Lord and peace. The last one I want to say is we praise um, God because when we praise Him, um, praise is a spiritual weapon against the dark forces of evil. Now, the Bible has much to say about this. And, and if you're facing darkness in your life, I would say the, the, um, the anecdote to that, the defense to that is a strong prayer li praise life. 
Lots of examples. Just, just one to very quickly. You remember David um, and Saul, and Saul was, was troubled by an evil spirit, and he would call David. And whenever David would, would play and worship in front of him, the evil spirit would leave because that's what praise does. It drives out the dark forces. And somehow, I don't know how, but in the, in the spiritual realm, God uses the praise of his people to drive back the powers of darkness and bring God's presence into each situation. So that's why we praise the Lord. And there's lots more reasons. That's just a few for today. Well, I said this morning I have two people who are going to come and share and worship God by proclaiming his name and declaring the deeds he has done. So I'm going to invite Carol up if she would come up right now, and she's going to just share um, how she has come to know God in this last uh, season of her life. So I'll let her share her story. Hi. I have to say I'm just a wee little bit nervous this morning, but it's okay. Um, one of the names of God that I've read, really resonated with over the last couple of years is the name of the Lord as my healer, Jehovah Rapha. He's the one who makes all things whole. Sometimes that happens through physical or emotional or, or relational healing. Um, sometimes healing only happens after death, as we know for Ryan. And so, and it's an eternity that his physical body has been made whole. But for me, I've learned to know God as the master healer. And under that banner, I also think of him as the strong one who opposes fear and sets captives free. And then the God of peace who shows up, shalom, he is my peace. You know, Jesus commanded the wind and the waves to say, he said, peace be still. And the wind and the waves listened and the storm calmed. And he's told the disciples, you know, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. And I've also learned that faith and fear don't really mix well. Instead, every time I need to, that fear wants to rise up, I need to run to Jesus and he is my peace. So why do I resonate with this? Well, in 2019, I had a little bit of a health um, crisis, and I started to feel unwell. And in mid-November of 2019, I had surgery. And um, the pathology report showed that there had been a little bit of cancer, but they deemed that it was all gone. They'd taken everything out, and that would be the end of the treatment. Um, and then I went for my follow-up check upon December 31st of 2019. And, and the surgeon said, well, I'll just take a little biopsy here. I had a little bit of bleeding. And so she did that. And two weeks later, I received that phone call that no one wants to receive to say um, there was more cancer. It was now in my body as well. And I was stunned. Fear gripped my heart. I felt extremely vulnerable. I even felt some shame. And I, I was angry. I'm going, I'm not ready. I don't want this. Um, of course, you know, why me, right? Um, Follow-up scans showed that the cancer was still contained in my pelvic region but that some lymph nodes were involved, and so I would require intensive radiation as the next step. You know, I really struggled to share this news with anyone, even my husband. It took me, 
I think it was the third day after I'd received the phone call that I actually let him know. I didn't tell anybody. You know, in my mind, I'm supposed to be the strong one. I'm a counselor by trade, and I've learned to be strong. I've learned to deal with hard things. But this was really, really tough, and my guts were turning, and I had a lot of fear. I've learned to carry burdens for my family, for others. And I didn't know how to tell our kids or extended family. I didn't, certainly didn't want to tell my 89-year-old mother. I didn't want to tell friends. I didn't want to tell anybody. I just thought maybe if I didn't tell anyone, it would just go away. Yet I knew that if it was any of them, I'd want to know. And so eventually I did. And I wrote in my journal um, after I told the kids that we have stellar kids. They were so kind and so supportive. I worried about telling the, the people that I ministered together with and dear friends that we do life together with. I worried about my counseling practice. But thankfully, eventually, my husband Dave and I did share this news with wise friends and then with a few more. I was encouraged to go to the pastors and elders for prayer. I struggled with this, of course, because I'm supposed to be the strong one. But God's book of wisdom tells us to be humble and to ask for prayer. I must say it was hard to humble myself, but those times of prayer were incredibly precious. And the banner of love over me has been so, so real and so strong. But there's um, a lot of nights where I did some dark soul searching, and dark nights where I was doing some soul searching. And on three occasions, I woke in the middle of the night with a very clear surprise message on my mind. Um, triplets, right? Uh, message number one. Your lungs are clear. I woke up, bang, in the middle of the night, and this, this thought's going through my brain. A very unique message, incredibly clear. And I still had no idea where the cancer at that point had spread to. And during that time, I also had a really bad cold, and this first scan showed a lot of inflammation in my body, and the oncologist wasn't sure whether it was cancer in my lungs or not. But I had this message, um, your lungs are clear. I said, okay, Lord, my lungs are clear. Message number two, also very clearly spoken, just reach out and touch my garment. Like the woman who bled for 12 years and reached out to touch Jesus so she could receive a healing. And now the Lord was telling me, it's your turn to just reach out and touch him for healing. That actually, had, that story has a whole lot of significance for me, but I can't, for reasons of time, I won't share it. But it was a very significant message to me uh, very, very personal. And then message number three, again, extremely clear. In the middle of the night, boom. You know, I think God was having a lot of fun with these surprise wake-up moments. But this time it was the story of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, if you read it in the book of Daniel. These three guys were thrown into a fiery furnace and they were not burned. Rather, a fourth man, God's angel, joined them and kept them safe. And the end result was that the king was so overcome that the laws of the land were changed to include instruction to worship God. These messages were affirmed to me again a couple times in triplet um, in, in the days and weeks and months to come. The message was clear. I did not need to fear. The Lord, the strong one who opposes fear, was with me, and he still is. And shortly after the treatment began, the COVID uh, pandemic shutdown began. So it was a lonely journey. 
and each day as I went to the radiation room, I visualized walking into the fiery furnace where the cancer would be destroyed, but I would not be burned because the Lord was with me. I had a vision of hope and a future to hold on to. Following the radiation, um, the oncologist suggested I needed another treatment, but again, the fear this time was a different kind of angst, and I, I just I could not wrap my head around it. And I prayerfully researched what I should do, and I made a decision to say no. And again, the God of peace, the God of shalom, came in. And subsequent, subsequent scans confirmed that all of the cancer, uh, evidence of the cancer is gone. And sometimes fear tries to raise its ugly head. I remind myself of all the evidence, both medical and spiritual, that the cancer is gone. My overwhelming response to this is gratitude. I wake up I'm with a different sense in my heart now. It's gratitude for the goodness of God. There's hardly a day that I don't have a thankful song or thankful prayer, or I see someone or I'm reminded of something, and I'll just whisper a prayer in my heart and say thank you. I see a message of, you know, from the kids, or I look at nature, and my, my heart just uh, smiles. I'm thankful I have another day to say, you know, I've got this day to live for Jesus. And I meet with clients who are going through horrible heartbreak. And I'm thankful I have a wee bit more understanding of what it means to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what it takes to face that fear, the hurt, the longings, and the losses. I'm thankful the Lord is my healer, is gracious enough to minister healing to others through me. And I'm so thankful for the intimate love of my Father, my Heavenly Father. He's the one who meets me in darkest moments. He is my healer. His banner over me is one of love and protection and provision. He's the strong one. I just plug into that so much. He is the strong one. I don't have to be so strong anymore. Who opposes the enemy of fear. When fear threatens to taunt me or overtake my thoughts, my emotions, my physical body, I just turn to Jesus. In fact, I run to him, and I allow the God of peace to minister to my soul. And so with every breath that I am able, I will sing, and I will speak, and I will share. This is my commitment of the goodness of God. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Carol. So I'm going to get you to turn to the screen, and we have another testimony. Uh, Justin Sturt is going to be sharing with us, and Justin is um, just, for... just not yet. <laughs> um, and and so so he um, he is a missionary with YWAM. He was on staff with us in one of our partner congregation, and he'll share his story here. Now, as he's doing this. Um, I want you, because we're going to have a few minutes for you to share your stories so we can hear from you. And if you're interested in sharing, I'm going to have Pastor Kelly come up to the front here and Pastor Cal come up to the front here. And they're going to hold the microphone both to be COVID safe and to be time safe. Okay? And so if you would like to to share, uh, and, and what I have for you to share is, is I have come to know God as and the name for God, and then just briefly share your story. And uh, if you're looking at your watch right now, this, this service, we, we, we planned it to go to, to uh, 10.15 today, because we're going to do one last thing. But um, 
so that's what we have planned. So turn your attention to the screen, and then as that's happening, I'd like you to come up to the front so that we can be ready to go if there's people that would like to share. Thank you. Today, I just want to worship God for the one who is faithful and true. Last week, Leighton asked me if I could share uh, one thing of how I would relate to God. What would be one word that I would put on him? And honestly, I struggled pretty hard trying to figure out what that one word would be, what one character I could put on God. For God is my provider. He's my healer, my rock, my everything. He is my Lord. And that is when it came to me that God is actually faithful in all he says and all he is. So this journey for me started about 2013, let's say. And this is when my wife was diagnosed with cancer. At that time, we were in the midst of the church plant over at House with All Nations. I was working full-time at the Bible College and with Youth with a Mission. And my wife came down with cancer. And everything in life just collapsed, went to like a very shocked state for our family. But every day, God kept on showing his characters. He kept on saying, I will provide for you. And he did it. He kept on saying, I will heal. And he did. He kept on telling us the truth along the way. And I kept on believing and walking it out with him. And within a few long months, my wife, uh, cancer was gone. And it was a time of joy and praise, again, for his nature and his characters. But then after, you know, only a few more months, life went crazy again. And we ended up with a newborn baby. And a whole new chapter opened up for us where we had to trust God for a child that wasn't ours and having to walk out death in another family and being there to provide for them as God provided for us. As that chapter closed, we ended up having to uproot our family when we decided to move back to the U.S. This was an extremely difficult time for my kids as being teenagers and being ripped out of their natural environment here and moved to a place where they were just foreigners again. It was really hard on them. And we had to trust God that it was him that spoke, that he was guiding us and leading us, and that he would take care of us in that. And once again, he was true to his word. And as I walked through that journey, I thought nothing else could go on. Everything was great. And then all of a sudden, one day, my wife started feeling not well again. And after going to the doctor, we found out the cancer had returned. And I had to walk out this part of trusting God once again, praying that he would heal, praying for provision and strength to be able to deal with my children and her at the same time as being sick. And God provided. He was faithful and true once again. But for many people, they say, oh yeah, but Justin, didn't you lose your best friend, your wife through that journey? And I'm like, yes, you're correct. She did pass away from all the sickness and disease, but God did still heal in many ways, in ways I can't even describe to you, on uh, spiritual realms that I have, yeah, still to this day, God has uplifted me through that. And I am very thankful that he is truthful to what he said he would do, and he's faithful in his word. So every day that journey continued. Now I'm a single father, full-time in ministry, two children that are still with us, and um, yeah, it, it is crazy trying to get my life together some days is nuts. And yet God says, I'm your rock. 
I'm your foundation. And he was so faithful in that. He constantly gives me the energy to crawl out of bed and go do work, ministry, full time, and then still take care of my children. And as that wasn't enough, I decided that, um, yeah, to be involved in in a car accident last year, um, which was out of the blue, of course, all accidents are, but this one I was off on a ministry trip that I'd prayed specifically to God that if I was supposed to go do this. And it was in the height of COVID, and I was traveling to and from the U.S. And on a barren piece of road in northern Montana on an icy bridge, three vehicles decided to become one. And I happened to be the one in the middle. And in that moment, something happened that I think we all wanted to know about. Um, What does it look like when an airbag deployed? And uh, I got to finally find that out. I've always wondered that. (laughs) And so God, during that episode... As much as I look back on it and think it was crazy, he was there. So I'm going to tell one quick story on this. As I was riding back from an ambulance on a Native Reserve, and it was so destroyed by COVID that the whole reserve was locked down. But it was the closest ambulance, and the weather had moved in, so they couldn't air vac me. So this elder Native woman was on the ambulance, came there. Her name's Nora. And once they got me into the ambulance, we were driving back towards a hospital. And in that moment, Nora looked down at me and said, Justin, is that your Bible in the car that was with you? And I said, yes. And of course, at this point, I'm in a lot of pain. But she goes, oh, that was a really nice Bible, which I had a laugh at. Um, And she goes, I brought it with you. And she go, we started talking about me being a Christian and my faith. And she goes to me, Justin, would you like us to pray? And I said, I would love to pray for you, Nora. And she started laughing. And I was like, God is faithful. He will provide situations for me to even share my faith in times of hurting and pain. Nora, I get to go see you in two weeks' time. And actually, I get emotional thinking about it. I'm going to go see her. Um and spend some time with her family. God's faithful to build those relationships. He took care of me in those times. I didn't catch COVID, even though that reserve was one of the worst places inside North America at the time. I was able to get the help I needed. I got to meet doctors and nurses, and circumstances happened that I can't even explain to you. But God was so faithful in all of it. He took care of my children, which was probably the biggest thing on my heart, was God, what about the kids? They don't have a mom anymore. They can't lose a father either. They're too young. And God was like, trust me. And I had to. I had no options. And he was faithful in that. So when I think about it, God is the God who is faithful and true. He has made promises all throughout the Bible, throughout the scripture, about being the provider, being the steadfast rock. And he is what he says he is. In 2 Timothy um, chapter 2, verse 13, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And I think that has been one of those verses that has stuck with me. He is always faithful. And so today, I just want to praise God and worship him for being the God who is faithful and true in all things. Amen. 
Let's stay standing for the benediction today. And I want to go back to Romans 15, which says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So go in God's presence, understand and embrace his peace, and live in his power. Amen? Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Have a great Thanksgiving. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.